Ladies and gentlemen, that was recording and I was talking, so I guess I'm kicking it Perfect. off. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. The podcast about movie movies. We are embarking on a project. Yes. Uh, for the next few episodes, this is going to be our first in a series yep. leading up to Halloween. Indeed. Um, it is not Halloween yet. Nope. But uh, there's a chill in Getting the air. Close. There's not a chill in the air. Not yet. I got that autumnal. There's no autumnal nope. sense. But I was on Groupon the other day, and many of the things that were offered were pumpkin scented. <laughs> so it is the season for Halloween. And as such, we are going to be working our way episode by episode through all five, one, two, three, four, five entries of the Psycho extended cinematic universe i'm super excited about this because i've only seen the original same i'm yeah. oh i've seen have the you remake seen, you saw the, I've seen the remake. i haven't yes. even seen that i mean you've seen the original yes so you've seen it okay but uh, we'll we'll get there when we yeah. get there in roughly five weeks yeah i'm actually excited to do like a long form series like this I, I, this is something you and i have talked about doing with some other movies mm. so we'll probably get to those in the future uh but I, i'm uh, i don't know i think this is going to be fun to just knock these and now our our listeners actually know what the upcoming movies are going to be for yes, a few that's weeks. True. Which so is you can actually good. watch them yeah. with us. Yes. Because uh, we're going to knock them down in order one, two, three, four, and then hit the remake. Uh, so if you're looking for us online, we're uh, I Like Two Movie. That's Numeric Two on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Uh, I Like Two Movie at gmail.com if you want to email us and talk to us. And uh, now I'd like to introduce our esteemed guest for the mm-hmm. evening. Uh, he's a gentleman who has graced uh, the podcast many a time before. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever came to the live show, you got to see an entire game dedicated to his wonderful movie knowledge. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Pete Steele back to the show. Wow, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Boys, let's get right into it because <laughs> Psycho is a movie that I uh, is not only my favorite movie, but also a movie I've seen before. Uh, I want to stress that right up top, that it's a movie that I've seen every single second of... And I've seen it. That's I'm telling you right now. I'm seeing it. And if anybody says I didn't, fuck them. I'm gonna murder them. <laughs> That's um, the attitude we yeah, like yeah. to have mm-hmm. on this show. Yeah. This yeah. is it. I can tell we've you, seen it. I could tell you watched it recently too with your uh, currently it. murderous attitude. I've yes. watched it probably every day of my life. I've seen this movie quite frankly. So now I'm pretty excited to be in a room with all men who have seen this movie quite <laughs> nice. frankly. A power trio of psycho me. psychos. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. You know how movies are uh, made up of frames uh-huh. that move very fast. Yeah, I've yeah. seen every single frame of this movie, gentlemen. Yeah. And uh, yep, I've Top seen them bottom. all. Baby, yeah, mm-hmm. right on, uh, right on. So, do, <laughs> do you know who directed uh, all the frames of this I, movie? I absolutely do. Yeah, and that would be John <laughs> Franch. 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 John Franch, or as he's known in the states, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. yeah we'll see the, here's the mix-up: is that John Franch Ranch is actually <laughs> a French director that very heavily influenced Alfred Hitchcock. Uh-huh. I know it because I've seen these movies and yeah. I love them. Yeah. And you guys might not know about the influence of John Franch Ranch because you are new to the series. Frenchman Franch Ranch. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Uh-huh. It's French for. 
a carpenter. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and as a lot of you might not know on this series, John Carpenter uh-huh. is actually a pseudonym that is a reference to John Frantran. It's <laughs> a nice devo- devotion. I didn't know you were such a wealth of film knowledge. Well, yeah. you never asked me before. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I idea of you saying we never asked you yeah, before. Nev- you've certainly never had me on the show yeah, before. Yeah. Yeah. We'd never asked you to watch, like, I think approximately 40 different <laughs> movies to do a dumb game. That What's <laughs> odd to me is that Psycho is yeah. probably the best movie out mm. of all of these yeah. that we didn't have to ask you to watch because you, because of I've course, s- have seen of it. Of course, yes. have seen it. Yeah. Of course. Yep. Uh, so, all right. You know what I want to start with, to be honest with you, is <laughs> the fucking theme song. Oh, the theme song's so yeah. good. What's the guy's name? Herman? Uh, it's uh, uh, Bernard, uh, Bernard Herman. Bernard, Bernard Herman, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. is the name of the man who did the theme uh, song. So the reason I'm interested in starting there is just because Dan and I previously did Reanimator, which, oh, uh, yes. Peter, you have also, also seen sure a whole seen... bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. The, uh, the opening credits of Reanimator, I believe, is set to the same music. I think we figured this out when we did reanimator recently yeah, i figured that out on my own as that well it, i will back that up mm-hmm. it's straight up uh is uh i don't even think a ripoff as much as it's just the music yeah they invoke mm-hmm. it a little bit richard yeah. band did the uh, okay so it was richard and band? his band richard band did the richard the, band and the band and the band yeah richard's <laughs> band did the uh did did the music but there are things that it's funny you're wearing the reanimator I'm shirt re-animator now shirt. and it is what i hear yes. is the psycho music yes. when i see reanimator cuz i see that screen yeah yeah oh yeah it's funny that have... you don't you don't reference my reanimator shirt dan which i am wearing currently <laughs> and uh, also on the back is the is uh, the psycho <laughs> on the back because uh, i wear all my two favorite movies <laughs> on my shirt at all times uh-huh. fucking love it but what, uh, <laughs> that would be a T-shirt I would buy, by the way, because of the music connection. Oh yeah, Ooh, Psycho absolutely. on one side, Reanimator on the other. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a very energetic score. It's a very yeah. present score. And so often now we see movies that have busy music in the yeah. background, mm-hmm. and it almost seems like if you think about the Saw movies, yeah, the score in those is just a heavy like. Mm, it's like a churning, just a churning yeah, groan, yeah. and it would yeah. probably seem oppressive if it had. And this movie is filled with. With you know, but you're referencing the Cantina theme song there, right? Yes, yes. Also by Bernard Bernard Herman. Yeah, yeah. Also by Bernard Herman. Bernard Hermenzo. Yeah, that's the space named version of this movie. Yeah, No, you're right though. It's a very like present, loud score, which we are certainly unfamiliar with in like current movies and like really the last decade of movies. That's kind of gone away. But it's interesting because it's like one theme that they kind of use for like everything throughout the I mean there's some other uh themes throughout the movie mm. but it's like mostly that piece of music that's used throughout the movie and it gets used in like all kinds of different scenes you know it's like it, they mm-hmm. they it's like I don't know it's weird normally you would have a like a John Williams like an entire suite of music so mm. that different scenes can be scored different oh, ways it's similar to different Halloween feelings. later Halloween yeah, has true. three distinct segments to its score yep. that are just used for different it's John Carpenter yes I would yeah. imagine mm-hmm. John Franchranch Fran uh, has yeah. a similar style absolutely uh-huh. I'll tell you right now he does <laughs> oh right on yeah. I'm glad mm-hmm. you you can confirm it with your wealth I of knowledge can. yeah <laughs> but uh yeah the the score is uh it well I mean it is a theme I was saying to you when we yep. were watching it that 
in Halloween H2O, which every time I say that title, it gets more and more ridiculous because uh-huh. it has nothing to do with no. water. No. And I remember being a kid and watching Larry King review it. And he was like, Halloween H20. And I was like, that's not what <laughs> yeah. it is. It's H2O, like water. And then I realized, no, we actually both are stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the title is stupid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Yes. Janet Lee of Psycho rolls up in one of those, in one of the scenes in Halloween H20. Uh-huh. And because um, it's 20 years, if anything, yeah. that makes more that, sense. It, it, yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck you! It's terrible. And um, and it's I remember it being okay, but she rolls up yeah. in the car that she escapes uh, Phoenix in. Yes, in uh, in Psycho, and they use that music cue. That's so and funny. Even as a boy of fourteen, when that yeah. came out, I remember begging my dad to take me to see it, and to his credit, he did. Yeah, and uh, even then, having only seen Psycho once, it was immediately recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which speaks to the legacy of this. I feel like I would have even recognized it having not seen Psycho. Oh, you would have known that was the joke was so yeah. present. Like mm-hmm. Psycho is such a present yeah. movie. Like yeah. everybody knows the theme. Everybody knows the shower everybody scene. Does yep. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I also would agree. Even if I had not seen Psycho, uh-huh. I would still which you clearly have recognize. Well, I have. I yeah. think we established that up top. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also would be able to recognize the theme. Yes. Can you do a little bit of a uh, a little bit I of the theme for can. us? You I want would the think theme? so. Absolutely nailed it. I did like that your first instinct was to give up and then launched into a song. Well, a lot of people don't know that Alfred Hitchcock was a big fan of whammy, the whammy part of the guitar, which is the part that, you know, basically is the, you might call it the psycho, the most psycho part of the guitar. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's the uh, the tremolo is what that bar Indeed. is called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that is when when you want to go a little mad, mm-hmm. you, you wiggle that bad boy. We all and go a little mad uh, sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the music is definitely something that feels old-timey about yes. it, but despite being an older movie, it's from 1960s, so that makes it, what, uh, almost six years old. So yeah. 58 years old. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit while we were watching it. Yeah. Sometimes these old movies are so filled with what are now tropes yes. that they become silly. Yeah. And this really doesn't have that. And we no. were still able to point out, like, oh, that guy, he's the handsome hunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> with the psychologist at the end yeah. is fucking bonkers. Yeah. Uh, the character of the kid who works behind the counter at oh, the yeah. hardware store so good. is such the yeah. little kid who works he's behind the... He's a real rapscallion. He's a, <laughs> honestly, yes. Yeah. He, is, he is a rapscallion. I told you I saw it. I know that he's a rapscallion, so don't even... Uh, yeah. why, no, I don't why, even why know what so I was suggesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were very surprised one of those, We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But My favorite does... scene is when he's on the half pipe and he's uh, shredding. <laughs> Did they shred in the sixties? I mean, they definitely they they would swing. Yeah, if you I feel will. Like it was okay, this... he was swinging. Yeah, okay. yeah, some might call it shredding. Uh, but I more I, modern I audiences refer to it as, mm-hmm. as shredding. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's. Um, I'm just imagining a half pipe in 1960, and it like it won't pop into my head. It just like mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah, it doesn't exist, work. You know, uh, ha- uh, I almost said hash pipes. Yeah. Hash pipes are by Weezer. <laughs> yeah. Um, half pipes are fully colored. Yeah. yeah They're exactly. fully in color. Yeah. There's there's yeah. absolutely. But even even this in black and white looks sharp, fresh, and new. It really does. And I've seen so many. I mean, I, this was probably a pretty good digital transfer. Yeah. But I've seen so many old movies that even when they're cleaned up, yep. feel old and kind of behind. Whereas this one plays modern, oh, yeah. which I think is also one of the reasons why the reception to Gus Van Zandt's remake, which is shot for shot, mm-hmm. was it 
the general consensus feels was that it was pointless. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. almost by like if I if I take the Great Gatsby and copy every word down yeah. and hand it to you, you're gonna read a good yeah. book. But it's it's not the same. I mean, thing, I can tell you, you know? that for a fact because I've been watching this Arrow video set of Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, mm-hmm. which are from this era. They're from like the like the early and mid '60s. All of them. They look terrible. And these are like 2K, 4K digital transfers from the cameras. More usually more from a print. They're a little like ugly, but mm-hmm. the, it it's not even that they couldn't get like the actual camera negatives. That's not why they look so bad. Like they're just they're not that well shot. They're not that well put together. They're not that well. This is like Hitchcock was a fucking like a master filmmaker. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, and you can see it when you watch his movies because they don't mm-hmm. they don't age really. They don't feel old. I think it's because so many old movies made concessions as to their limitations, yeah. which we always talk about as cool when that yeah. defines a movie. Yeah. But that's almost like a late in the Hollywood game skill that was yeah. obtained because they would have a history of movies to look upon. In 1960, we were still just a couple decades deep. Yep. And for a while, you know, prior to the Orson Welles of the world, we were just filming plays. Is yeah, what yeah, we were yeah. doing. And so this is... I think it's because he had such care to the craft of it that he didn't really have any limitations. Right. He, you could have given him no budget, and he would have assembled something functional and yeah. and exciting to look at. Yeah. Um, One of the things that sticks out to me most about this movie is his care to the craft. I've always <laughs> yes, <laughs> exa- exactly, precisely. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Well, but this would older also... movies end up looking sloppy, yeah. and we have to for- make a for- you know like a concession to it, where we go, ah, you know, that's just how much film they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here, it almost feels like we don't have to do that ever. Yeah. Well, it's also like fairly deep into his career, right? Yeah. You know, he's mm-hmm. been making movies, yes. I think, for like thirty or forty years. At this point mm-hmm. um and so like Firm. it you, you know you can see a guy that just is like uh, a master uh, he like I, like so i love that shot of the water going down the drain that becomes yep. her eye it's not even like that's done in any kind of spectacular fashion it's just a pretty hard edit from one to the other mm. but it's there's something so precise about when he catches the water, like when he finally makes that edit. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It, it's he speaks a, the visual language. It's masterful, yeah. For a movie that has a fair amount of expository dialogue, yeah. uh, it's not coasting on it because so much of what happens is just show, don't tell. Yeah. Which is why I think a lot of people find the ending hammy with the psychiatrist sure. yeah. because he's he's just telling. Yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I, well, to your point, though, I think like one of the things I was noticing is like, you know, one of the longer dialogue scenes in the movie is when Janet Lee and um, uh, Perkins, uh, right? That's his name? Yeah. Yes. Anthony Perkins. Perkins. Anthony Perkins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when they sit down and have that long conversation over sandwiches, that the way he yeah. continues to change the angles on the two of them throughout mm-hmm. that conversation keeps it very yeah. visually interesting, especially when he finally gets to that. And that's l- like a solid 10 minutes. It's a really yeah. long scene. Once he finally takes that low angle on Perkins, yeah. and you see, you pointed out the birds of prey swarming mm. over him, all the taxidermy around him. It's a really interesting angle, but he waits to cut to it until we're a few minutes deep. And then once we spend like two minutes or so on that angle, he gives us a different, you know, there's another angle then that he cuts to of, of Perkins. Mm, yeah. He keeps it visually interesting the whole time, even when we are in these sort of longer scenes that feel a little bit dated because it is just two people sitting and talking, which is not something that happens that often in movies mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Um, when I feel like even now, if something was edited like that, yeah. it would actually feel heightened. Yeah, yeah. You know, if something was shot like that, we'd be like, this is a little too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. But because it's been informed by decades of films like this, yeah. but 
because it's an older movie, maybe that is the one concession we are offering it. Yeah. Is that we we appreciate that this was kind of the first of the way things look. Yeah, Not yeah. the first, but a progenitor of that sort of uh, scene construction. I've been so we kind of we give it the benefit of the doubt of yeah. being first, so it doesn't look as hokey. Because if that happened now, we'd be like, man. Calm down, Tony Scott, with your camera dancing around the scene. I've know? actually been yeah. thinking about that a lot lately when I watch modern movies. That, like, so many movies, you know, if I watch a movie from the 80s, that was not the first of anything. Mm-hmm. The 80s is so many decades deep into movie, you know, film history. But I will make concessions for choices they make because I'm like, ah, it's from the 80s. This movie's old. I think we we talked a little bit about that with Manhunter. Yeah. Is that, yeah, that's Michael Mann's style. Yeah. And it was a little bit he was able to lean into it harder at that time because yeah. that was sort of the mainstream flavor. Yeah, yeah. But it's also more just that, like, I will grant concessions to something that is 30 years, 40 years older than me, even though ultimately that's 80 years older than the medium. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't need to grant a movie from the 80s concessions, but I do because I consider it old. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately when I go to watch movies now that, like, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this will be an old movie. How will people watch it then? Will they go like, oh, yeah, but that, you know, that weird choice that when I watched it in theaters the day it came out, I was like, fuck that, Tony Scott. Like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Like, if somebody's watching that 30 years later for the first time, are they going to go, ah, yeah, but that's old. So it's okay that they. I think that's how we're going to look at early Aronofsky, early yeah. Fincher, yeah. Uh, even early Danny Boyle, yeah. where we get to a point where we go, oh, yeah, that was an era where movies yeah. looked like that. Because even those filmmakers aren't that gaudy anymore. I think right. those, that's the trio I always bring yeah. up yep. on here, becoming a less present director. Yeah. And I think that Hitchcock, late in his career, somewhat late in his career, in yeah. 1960, and believe it or not, I have not seen a lot of Hitchcock. No, I me I've neither. I've seen that. I've seen Vertigo. Mm-hmm. I've seen a handful of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yep. But I wonder, I would love to compare what his early work looks like to that, if it was that heightened, or if this was him kind of flexing. I get the sense that this was him sort of flexing. Um, Most of his movies, they're well-directed, but I think they're more regarded for the script. Mm -hmm. And this one is a script based off of not an original property. This is an adaptation of Robert Bloch's novel. So, yeah, yeah, I wondered if this is more of an expression of his craft. So, like, I've seen The 39 Steps is probably, like, the oldest movie of his that I've seen. Mm -hmm. I want to say that's from the 30s. Um, And uh, it is... The interesting thing is that because of the era that he was making movies in, it's not so much that he... It's almost hard to describe in those terms uh, that that you're bringing up where it's, like, does he get more or less flashy, kind of? Mm -hmm. Because when he started making movies... You could almost say his movies are super flashy in the sense that he's like figuring out how to do shit that like no one had done before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they are somewhat flashy in the sense that it's like literally everything he's doing feels like new and fresh and like he's inventing mm-hmm. a way to film a guy running across a train in 1930, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, he's then taking those skills and refining them to the point where he makes something like Psycho that to us looks like very heightened and, and showy. But I think maybe it would look heightened if it were modern now. Yes, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Comparatively to his older right. stuff, and yeah, it's, it's I, like I think it's like it is, that actually it, this is a representation of him like reining it in and honing it in to like uh, uh, something very precise. Okay, where like because he does use his visualizations to like capture abstract yeah. ideas. There's all of the shots where Norman Bates is doubled in the mirror, which yep. as Pete knows is yeah. a foreshadowing to the it's ending. The foreshadowing a bit. to the ending. I was yes. about to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and so yeah. yeah, we we see that coming, but yeah. also the birds. Yeah. Um, oh, the birds. Yeah, the birds. The birds, which is uh, not a reference to the film The Birds, right. which you probably mm-hmm. also. Know. Oh yeah, well I've also watched that a lot, so I know that's not a reference. The part with the birds is pretty. 
crazy. It's pretty nuts. The, yeah. the part with the birds, I'll tell you what, it recalls some of the early Animaniacs uh, <laughs> when the with the pigeons. In my head, I see some influence there. Uh-huh. Valid, uh-huh. valid. Yeah. And I, th- <laughs> I, I do think the Animaniacs had an influence on the birds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, the, uh, I'm talking early Animaniacs. Right, I'm talking, right, right, right. You know, before we're talking like 20s, maybe. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before they were first put into the tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 crazy yeah, Warner Brothers or right. Warner yeah, Sister back when Dom. they were black and white. Before yeah. they got locked mm-hmm. in the tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, <laughs> the uh, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, we, oh, God, we were just on a pretty. Oh, we were talking yeah. about how. So they use a lot of different sort of abstract yes. things. Um, one of the things, one of the early shots that I really like is when Marion is has first decided this is it. I'm I'm out of town. I'm out. And I'm she out. gets in her car and starts driving. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, this is after she has spent the money on the car. Yes. And so right. she's all in. She has yeah. spent the money. She cannot go back. Yeah. On it's like once she, she spends sold, a little bit of that which money, we do find she's... out later is heartbreaking. Is that they were all very willing to take yeah. it back. Yeah. And um, but she tried to break out of a system that doesn't favor and it just broke her yep and uh, but as she's driving and she is uh, getting a little bit more and more nervous mm-hmm. the camera starts getting tighter and tighter yes. on her face uh, then in a later scene after she's you know spent the money and is all in she starts going through in her head uh, voiceovers of yeah. supposed scenes that will happen in her absence yeah and in that one we get closer and closer to her face as she gets more nervous and we reach a point where she imagines everybody saying, like, oh, she duped us. She yeah. she bested us. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, the camera goes, like, a little bit wider. Yeah. Because she establishes more control in the yeah. scene. And it's it's almost not noticeable. Yeah. You know, this is just a movie that's been studied in and out. But yeah. that is that is Hitchcock playing with our emotions mm-hmm. in, in a way that is a physical response to, you know, the way that we see things. Yeah. That yeah. fits the theme of the movie. That's... Yeah. I Black, think that's what he's experimenting yeah. with yeah. is how to use, you know, just disorienting mm-hmm. and and inviting ways to just kind of bring you in emotionally into what's happening. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, like, that is a great representation of, like, what Norman will become once we meet him in the movie, too, because Norman has this really... Perkins' performance is like so incredible as a character. And they shoot him the same way too. Yeah. There's certain times where he is shot as if to look pathetic. Yep. There's mm-hmm. certain times where he is shot to kind of make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then we see the ones that are pure menace. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even there's furthermore, even... there's ones where we see the duality with yes. them and it, within him at once. And uh, you know, as you said, his performance is incredible where he captures that. But it's worked into place with the direction and the way that he's shot, yeah. the angle that's on yep. him. And these aren't yeah. things that we go, oh, the camera's higher than him. He looks, you know, pathetic because right. you don't think it. No. It just evokes that fear response in you. The yep. Horror and comedy are similar in that they are the two things that can cause a physical reaction. Yeah. You know, bad comedy won't make you laugh. Right. Comedy needs to get a physical, a, an, almost un, like a natural reaction mm-hmm. out of you. Comedy, I mean, uh, horror needs to give you fear. That's why they're so closely linked. Yeah. But we often find that it's not necessarily the content of the comedy or the film that makes you scared. It's the presentation. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's what Hitchcock's working on in this movie. Totally. And yeah. he like he is able to frame um, uh, Norman in so many different ways that literally in a scene you can go from, especially early on before you really know what's happening, 
you can go from trusting him to distrusting him just within a scene because of the way mm-hmm. he's like framing him in different shots. He's like kind of yeah. silly at points too. Yeah. You're charmed by him. Exactly. You yeah. get why he can disarm these people. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Dan, you brought up how many <coughs> different ways that Norman was shot in the movie. And then, uh, Garrett, of course, you brought up the f- fact that he was framed. And I was like, how's this guy surviving? <laughs> not only getting shot so many times, but also someone's trying to frame him. And it's like, how's this man not g- going psycho? No <laughs> pun intended. Uh-huh. You know I mean? You're picking up what we're putting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's been, that was always a uh, lingering question from the movie when I have yeah. seen it. Oh, yeah. It kind of is, actually. The ending of the movie, he's like talking about framing himself to yeah. himself. That's like yeah, literally that's the conversation he's having with himself. I think that's I what Pete's referring you. to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Referring absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pete has seen uh, it. Last, yes. Yes. yes Pete has definitely seen Psycho. I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I've told you I've seen it. <laughs> and I, I believe and I you. I think I just proved it. I think so. Uh-huh. I think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is now later in the show. We are going to be talking about other horror movies yeah. that sort of broke the mold. Yes. In those ways. I oh, think yeah. We should talk a little bit about the multitude of ways that Psycho breaks the mold. I love. I'm so glad we're going to talk about this because my favorite thing about this movie is that I. So I saw it for the first time, like two years ago maybe really uh, was that recently yeah it was pretty recent because oh, i was wild i made a shame list of like the top 20 horror movies i hadn't seen mm-hmm. and so i've kind of been like every yeah. once in a while i just like knock one off and this, yeah, yeah. this was one of those uh i did too uh and it was it was blank uh, <laughs> after about an hour or so racking my brain i was like that ah, looks like i've seen them all <laughs> but anyway sorry go ahead no that's fine yeah. uh, including psycho uh, oh, yeah. Well, you, that was very number one on the list of, uh, or not on the list. Yeah. Number one with a bullet, right? Yeah. Because yeah. of the shooting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, Nor- of Norman. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I saw it like two years ago, and I was like, I went into it going like, the reason I've never seen this movie is because I know what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the era when like AMC's commercials were the shower scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, the the... I don't know. You just I I felt like I had seen the shower scene, so I knew that uh, you know the main character, the girl, was gonna die. That would be the ending that she would get killed in the shower somehow, mm. uh, and that she would get killed. It is funny because that does feel like the ending, right? yeah. And that she would get killed by Norman. I knew these things. Like these are the things I knew about this movie. That Norman is and the you bad knew, guy, wait, wait, right? Wait. I know the song, I know the shower, and I know the bad guy. And and so I know that that's how the movie ends. Norman kills the girl in the shower. And so I'm watching this movie for the first time going like, I I mean... I'm, and at the time, I was also really getting into Hitchcock for the first time. I was like, I had watched like three or four of his movies. And so I was like, okay, I'm starting to get a feel for Hitchcock. I'm interested in this as a Hitchcock movie. That'll be exciting at least. And then this movie fucking pulls the rug out. For, even mm-hmm. living in that world where I thought I knew so much about Psycho, the main character dies like 40 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you spend just enough time with her. And she has a very in-depth story. Yeah. She's a fully fleshed out character. Yeah. She has, yeah. I mean, the main plot is we're just, we're kind of, we're. I mean, I think we're rooting for her to get yeah. away. Absolutely. We're rooting for her to take agency on her life yep. and just kind of do something with it. Yep. But I think everybody goes into that movie sort of assuming that things aren't going to go well for her. Yeah. But, because, yeah, when I saw it, I, I kind of knew that Norman and his mom were the same person. See, that was another surprise like, for of, me. But I didn't quite know how because yeah. I, I wasn't, yeah. you know, I was like 12 years old. Somehow that information like missed me. Like you said, no clue that she was going to die no, head on. like so early. And that, I don't want to say it changes the form because Psycho is pretty early in, you know, in the world of that type of horror. Yeah. But even in the world of any horror, 
it's usually it's usually the monster that dies. Right. You know, the monster is is the villain and good triumphs. Yeah. And whereas that's what ultimately happens mm-hmm. here, it extrapolates that into two acts. Yeah. And yeah, that is and of course that is what we're doing an homage to in Scream. Yes. By heavily advertising Drew Barrymore. Yep. And then she's gutted in twenty minutes. Right. But that or that, an executive decision when it's a Stephen Seagal movie and uh-huh. right away he gets sucked out of the plane. Yeah. But see, those are two examples. That's what I was trying to think of too. Those are two examples where this was not only, I think, like you know, you you could say it's a game changer because of that, but like kind of remains one of the only in that game. This has definitely happened before, where who you think is the main character dies, mm-hmm. but it usually happens early. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it happens relatively quickly. Even Scream, yeah, it's literally it's just within that opening the first scene, like five and then minutes. She's irrelevant. Yeah. This is like we spend half the movie with her, like so long that you couldn't imagine that she would die before the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it is that much more. I don't know the mo- it like you really feel like you're off the rails when that mm-hmm. happens because it just I, I don't know I can't think of another movie where I've spent that much time with what I think is the focus of the movie and I think it only fa- to have the like rug you can't pulled. fathom where's this gonna go now right exactly you know, like, what's what's gonna that's it. Yeah. And the then end. he almost does it again. Because mm-hmm. he introduces us to her sister, who's looking for her. But w- who he introduces us to is Arbogast. Yes. The oh, uh, the private eye that is uh, going to be looking for uh, uh, Janet Lee's character. And then we... Milton sp- Arbogast. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it. And then we... I don't think he how does either. say it? Yeah. Uh, how- I see here is... I'm glad you threw to me here. Because <laughs> it's actually Milton... Uh-huh. It's actually pretty close. That's, yeah, that's about. I'm pretty sure he pronounces it different every time yeah. he says it in the movie. What's funny too? Uh, there's a. Have you ever read Under the Dome? No, I haven't. Stephen okay. King. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. but the lead character, I believe, his first name is Carl. Oh, He's, yeah. Uh, it's either Carl or, or Fred, but his last name is Tibodo. T h i b o d e a u. Whoa! Yes. I only know how to pronounce it because I I heard someone say it. Um, on the like, I didn't watch the TV show, but I saw a commercial for the TV show, yeah. and I heard that I'm like, oh, that's a same thing with uh, Hermione. I would have called her Hermione if yeah. I read the book before Her- I saw the movie. Her- I definitely <laughs> when I read those books, Thibodeau, like Hermione. And I remember thinking, now, granted, Stephen King's come up with a lot of names in his day. Yes. He's probably hitting the bottom of the well. Yeah, and it is a real name. There are yeah. people with the last name oh, Thibodeau, yeah. but I thought. I'm reading this. Why would you do that? Yeah. I guess it was alert. And Arbogast, my that was my first thought. It's like, you couldn't have just called him Kowalski yeah, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or McCormick. Yeah. The, the best two go-to names. Uh-huh. But then it becomes kind of important that he's named yes. that. And it, it becomes a good choice because it just it just allows us to, to sort... Lots of movies, I don't know the characters' names. Yeah. He's a character whose name you need yeah. since after like after he's out of the picture, yes. all the other characters are somewhat new, and so they're tasked with a lot of hindsight expositing. Yes. His name being Arbogast helps with that. Yeah, exactly. You know we, we need to know who they're talking about because yeah. they're going to talk about him a lot. So I'm not going to yeah. know who they are, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think the thing that's interesting is they give us Arbogast and, again, spend like 20 minutes, like not quite as long as we spend with Janice, Janet Lee. But we spend a lot of time with Arbogast before he then dies, too. Mm. Like, we keep getting given these characters that we think are going to become the focus of the story. And it Norman's the focus of the story. You know what I mean? It's like... It, That's what it's called. Yeah. It's called it's, Psycho. Yeah. It becomes clear, I think, pretty quickly that he's, like, the focus of it. But I like that Hitchcock is constantly trying to, like, take that away from us. You know? Mm-hmm. He gives us these other characters, and then he just fucking takes them away from us, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to the point where, by the time her sister does actually get in that house... 
we're convinced we know what's going to happen to her. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, like, the, at that point, I think what's smart about that is we've made even rules about horror. We're yeah. like, okay, this person dies first. Yep. Like, this trope dies first. This happens there. This guy says you're doomed and all yep. that. And even though I think this is why something like this works even now, this is the progenitor of all that. Yeah. But uh, we're, we know who's going to die and when. Right when she's killed, we realize all bets are off. Yeah. Anything can really happen. Yep. That's scary. Yeah. I think that's, and you know, that's what he's exploiting in that movie. The mm-hmm. shower is scary because we never think about it because it's this nice, safe place. Yep. But actually, you're fully exposed. You're yeah. in no position yep. to defend yourself. That's scary. And, and that's why so I think the, the peephole is like kind of necessary of to that scene, oh, yeah. too. Because it, it is meant to feel exposing and, and horrifying that you're in what you consider you know, a, a private space. Mm. That's and it's also the first moment where we know he's explicitly yes. up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fascinating. The movie still then continues to, like, not quite reveal what's going on with Norman. Mm. You know, it takes a long time before you really understand like really what's happening with him mm-hmm. which i was pretty i i'm i'm almost impressed that he gives us the breadcrumb of that peephole so early but then is still able to keep us guessing for so much longer Comes as to really to what's going on yeah because like there's even that point you reach a point where you're like oh he he might just be a bad dude who's a creep, yeah. but his yeah. mom's the real monster. Right. You know, right. Like, and it's actually it's kind of telling that we do just always give him like it it functions based on us giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And that's that's interesting in its own way. But just to jump back, like in that sense, the form of a horror movie being subverted yeah. is another thing that creates a physical reaction in us. Yes. You know, that's it's shocking that she's dead because you go, oh, God, this movie just lied to me. Yeah. But it didn't. Right. It told you the truth the whole way. You yeah. just didn't listen. Yeah. But uh, and so same thing with Norman. The whole time it's explicitly just telling us he's a psycho. He's oh, yeah. looking through a people. Yeah. But it really isn't until we, you know, we almost immediately like, find out what's going on fully. Yeah. That we suddenly get rid of all of the empathy that we have for him. Right. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting the way it. it um is able to keep pulling you along with him somehow, mm-hmm. you know? Even though, like you said, it's like, and especially watching it a second time, it's like, I know this guy's a fucking crazy person, like, right he's a away. psycho. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but they really, he's so good at, at, at pulling you into him and, and gravitating you towards him for so long. And it all turns around with that uh, that shower scene, which is actually one scene I missed the first time that I went through it because uh, it happened so quick. And the second time I went through, I paused it uh-huh. right at the right time and I went, "Ah, there it is. There's that uh, shower scene. Uh-huh. There it that, is. Uh, if you do, if you blink, you'll miss it, and then yeah. you know uh, you won't know that part." Yeah. And really, any moment in that, because I'm glad you brought it mm-hmm. up, you can really pause any portion of the shower scene mm-hmm. and find a you know an interesting piece of film craft. Yeah, yeah. just in what it, you know, even in the small. Mo- there was a a thing that popped up on Twitter the other day. It's a famous old video from Taken Three okay. of Liam Neeson jumping a fence. And oh, it's yeah. a six second clip. Uh-huh. There's 15 fucking cuts. Yeah, it's crazy. And and 14 of them can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's there, and but. There's okay. I, I forget the numbers because there's a documentary about the shower scene. I believe it's called like seventy eight fifty eight something, something like that. Like that. Yep. It's fantastic, but it's the numbers are in reference to how many cuts there are. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Yeah, in what is probably about thirty five forty it, seconds. It really of, is of a time, blink, if that much. It, it's yeah. so quick. I but any uh-huh. one of those cuts, you look at it, and there is. There is story being told yeah. there. It's not just filler, a la Taken Three. Yes. Uh, and, and 
Yeah, it's like also a really interesting scene because it's very violent without mm. being all that graphic. I think it's what we're about to see a return to. Yeah. Since we are now reckoning with the idea of violence and sex in horror movies being employed for titillation. Yeah. Which, you know, there there is a place for in hindsight with yeah. with all of the Jason movies, the perfect yeah. example. But I think we're moving away from that mm-hmm. because it's just, you know, it's been done. Yeah. It just doesn't play anymore. Yeah. We have we have we have more mature uh, ideas about how this can be used in our entertainment. Yeah. And that I, I think I hope that it will see a return of stuff like this. That yeah. is an upsetting scene. It yes. is you know, we, we went through the era of horror that's called torture porn. Uh-huh. And you know, there's value there, but it's really out of fashion now because yeah. it's I think we've done all we can do with it. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever do all we can do in terms of artistically and poetically using violence. Yeah. And, you know, even things like nudity and, and, and sexuality, uh, but in non... Uh, what's the word? Explicit? Yes. Uh, not necessarily... I mean, yes, not explicit because yeah. there's really nothing going on there. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, seeing nudity or yeah. seeing puncture wounds and right. stuff like that. But just not trying to i guess just not trying to titillate yeah 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 there's it is interesting that the scene starts with like a peephole but the scene never feels sexualized mm-hmm. uh it feels violent that's mm-hmm. all it feels it, it just feels disturbing and violent actually me. case in point it follows yeah every the the people who don't like it follows usually say that they want it to basically be that fucked up crazy everybody's fucking everyone's getting ripped apart right. movie because that's a great concept for that. Yeah. But instead we get this deeply haunting, deeply scary movie that is about teens having sex. Yeah. Does feature people that are scantily clad. Does, literally has someone who's fucked to death by a ghost. Yeah. But because of just that's not how we want to do things, there's so much artistic... There's not a wasted shot in right. that movie. There's so much artistic merit to, to every moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope that we'll see more things like the shower scene where it's, yeah, you can make it hyperkinetic, yeah. but you got to use that, like use that footage. Yeah. It's, and that's also credit to Janet Lee in that scene too. Oh, like yeah. she fucking sells that. And shit. her body double, who I, if I remember correctly is, uh, interviewed in that documentary. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cause it is interesting the way he very much like uses her for the, her close-ups. Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's it, the editing in that is actually really interesting. It's, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's definitely edit- it's way different than anything else in the movie too. It's it's much faster. It's much harsher. It's mm. um, that's the harshest the music ever is in the movie. Um, it is a stabbing right. sound. Me, yeah, me, me I agree. Notes. The rest of the movie is slower and not as harsh. Yes, <laughs> that's also we're on the same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we watched the same movie, so we for sure we would be. We would movie. be absolutely at different times. Yeah. One of the things that I times. yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that that I love about the way the shower scene is shot is when she first gets in you really do feel how warm that shower is yeah it's got the great shot looking upwards into the shower head yeah you see the steam and when when that when it's like raining down upon the camera the shower head you feel the comfort of being under that we return to that shot at the end of the scene after she's collapsed out of right. the tub and it feels colder and it feels less like this embrace of yeah. Oh, the, I'm a warm shower, and more of like I'm gonna wash away every trace of you, 
And it, you yeah. do feel it. Once again, you get that physical reaction. And it's quite literally the same shot. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same footage. Yeah. They didn't want to soak a camera well, here's for the, too long. Right. You know? Here's the thing that a lot of people don't know if they haven't watched it multiple times like me is that the way that it's always cold water in that scene, but they just get some steam because they put some some Chef Boyardee in the shower head. Is uh, how they did it? And then they take it out for the second part of that scene where it's cold. I'm glad you so can't smell movies, right? Is, well, hey, in the future, you know, where's <laughs> Where's my hoverboard? Talk about where's my uh, smell o vision? Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Gotta get that smell o vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, Night of the Living Dead, they used yeah. chocolate syrup because it showed up very well on a black and white camera. That's right. So it would stand to reason that Psycho would use something like mm-hmm. SpaghettiOs mm-hmm. from, the ni- mm-hmm. from 1960. Yep. Probably without the meatballs. They would clog up the drains. Well, he, uh, the thing about Alfred Hitchcock is that you get any meatballs near him and they're gone in a second. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I believe it was Hitchcock uh, who first said, yeah. that's a spicy, spicy meatball. meatball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still ate them, though, even though he's not a big spice fan. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People say, what do you fear? Mr. Hitchcock, and he yeah. said, too much spice. Too much spice <laughs> in my meatball. I want a blend of pescadis. <laughs> Dan, you touched, touched upon uh, them getting rid of a lot of the filler and, and uh, the editing, which is great. I think this movie has hardly any filler at all. In fact, the only scene I think that there's filler is when there's that long scene where it's very obvious that Albert Hitchcock has left the camera on while he's eating sandwich <laughs> at lunchtime. A meatball and you sandwich, see right? him, Yeah, and then you see him from Wawa. And then you see him, uh, <laughs> you see him look up into the camera, and he goes, "Oh, I left." Oh, and then he turns it off. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why he put, kept that in the film, but uh, that's the only thing I'd say is filler. Uh, he does it. have a cameo in every one of his movies. I wonder oh, if yeah, that's of course, the yeah. case across the board. Mm-hmm. Is those are the moments where he left the camera on? Absolutely. And, and I think it, it comes down to value because you're like, oh, the you know the the camera's on. We use the yeah. footage. The digital ear head yeah. doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So we, we might as well use it. Might as well. You know, use we it bought it. Point. Yeah. Let's okay. let's put it to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, it was a promotional thing where a lot of uh, Wawa got a lot of t- uh, promotional on camera time. <laughs> um, that was a f- what funded a lot of those movies back in those days. Could you? Uh, that's so funny to me because now I'm imagining the scene where he brings her those sandwiches and there's just like Wawa wrappers, <laughs> yeah. like a parent on yeah. them. Well, a lot of people don't know, but every single one of Hitchcock's movies take place during Hoagie Fest. Oh, um, well, you keep the budget down, canon wise. Most yeah. movies have a pretty hefty a Hoagie point. budget. Mm-hmm. You go on Hoagie Fest, you, I mean, you get sometimes 80, you slice that in half. Off, yeah, every single one of them. Time there's actually time. value in getting 100. the classic. Exactly right. So like, if I'm gonna spend three for I'm the gonna, junior. Why not spend five mm-hmm. for the classic? That's like four juniors. Yeah, especially when you had the budget, like when uh, he filmed The Birds, when they all, every single bird needed a hoagie at lunchtime, <laughs> and it's like, holy crud. He was thinking to himself, how am I going to pay for all these hoagies? So then they delayed the filming to be during Hoagie Fest so that it cut costs by roughly $5 million. <laughs> it is amazing to me how much you know about this movie because yeah, they do have a whole conversation in this movie about eating like birds and yeah. how birds actually eat a lot. Well, they need a yeah. whole foot long from Wawa. Exactly yep, right. They yeah. would. That's the thing about birds <laughs> and this movie. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I, now, maybe you can confirm this. I heard that it was at Hoagie Fest that Hitchcock was was hanging out, and he was like, the prices here are absolutely psycho. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. And then, he, a, and then he also did was the one who first coined Tim Allen's famous yes. grunt from Home uh-huh. Improvement. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, too. Uh, Tim Allen, a uh, very big Hitchcock fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, and yeah. Hitchcock, very big Tim Allen fan. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the uh, what did he say about the birds? I bet we can we can mine some thematic meaning because he, he said something to the effect of birds. You know, we we say oh. eat like a bird means that they eat little and peckish, but birds actually eat quite a bit. He says that he likes to stuff bird. He says he doesn't like to stuff beasts, mm-hmm. um, which is in, you know it's once you get to the end of the movie, it's very interesting to hear him talk about what he likes to taxidermy and doesn't mm-hmm. like to taxidermy. And he says he doesn't like to stuff beasts. And he has a reason that he likes to stuff birds. He says he likes to stuff birds. I'm trying to remember what he says. Because they were dinosaurs. Uh, and no, he's Thanksgiving guy. He's I can't remember. He says something like they're uh I, man, I get like placid or something. I can't remember exactly what he oh, says. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's I like bet we can find it. Yeah, he's like implying that they are um I don't know, like uh, austere or ju- I don't know. I can't. I can't remember. Wh- I wish I could remember what word he uses because it's such a. It, I I was paying attention to that this time that he's having this conversation with her about how he likes to stuff things, and we eventually find out that he has mm-hmm. his dead mother stuffed in the basement. Yeah, uh, and and he has a fucking reason that he does it with the birds. What the fuck was it? Uh, All right, here we go. Yeah. You eat like a bird, and you'd know, of course. No, not really. Anyway, I hear the expression eats like a bird. It It's really a false, false, false falsity. Yes. Because he stutters. He's, he's stutter, getting nervous. Yeah. Because birds really eat a tremendous lot. But I don't really know anything about birds. My hobby is stuffing things. You know, taxidermy. And I guess I'd rather stuff birds because I hate the look of beasts when they're stuffed. You know, foxes and chimps. Some people even stuff dogs and cats. But oh, I can't do that. I think only birds look well stuffed because they're kind of passive to begin passive, with. Passive, yes. Passive. Yeah. That, which is so interesting because like he, I believe they make reference to at the end of the movie that they have other missing persons cases mm-hmm. uh, and that they're young women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, I mean, I assume that that's kind of how he sees women and decides on them as prey is mm-hmm. that the, that they are passive. So they're able to be taken mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. That's like the best I can come up with to pull that apart. I think it makes sense. This is a movie essentially about a woman in a world that is, you know, where she's second class. Yeah has an opportunity to get out, and yeah. it's like, sometimes that shit's... So, now, granted, there's a wild card here in the form yeah. of a psycho, but yeah. sometimes that shit's so baked in that it, it doesn't want to let go, you know? Yeah. It doesn't want to yeah. let go of that. We're watching the death throes right. of that a little bit, even today. Yeah. Hopefully it's the death throes. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, that's just... That shit's tough to break. And, and there is an interesting... She's, she's trying to break out by force. Yeah. And she's not it, passive. She's not passive. And then you get that thing towards the end where when her sister shows up... Uh, uh, Loomis keeps saying to her, like, no, 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 you stay here, you stay here, mm. like, don't, uh, she was it'll the best all be okay, it'll all, all be okay, and she says something like, I don't do well sitting around, that that doesn't run in my family. Mm-hmm. She, so they make reference to this idea that both of these women, this the, the these two sisters, are these very active women, mm-hmm. these, they're not passive they're uh, in strong. the world, like every, take like, on yeah. anyone, right, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, which is interesting that that's like a sort of a thematic thing that they're doing in this movie, that he, what brings Norman down eventually is his assumption that all women are passive, mm-hmm. and and when he encounters one that's not, I mean the the weird thing is that he still does kill her, but then her the sister her, yeah. is yeah exactly yep and yeah. that's true he does he does and and what's funny too is if we if we ignore what potentially the sequels are yeah 
the psych the amazing psychologist yeah. says that the the mom has taken over entirely. Right, so right. it's like he's you know these women tried this one woman tried to bust out of the system. He was sort of the agent that kept her in it. Yeah, but you know her her headstrong to take on any anyone uh-huh. uh, family. You know her yep. sister solved the crime, yep. but then his mom ends up eating him up too yeah so he's like a little bit of a a crisis with that himself it totally makes sense that he would you know quote-unquote hate women although i don't know if that's exactly what it's uh he doesn't treat them very portraying he's definitely not treated beyond the sandwiches yeah well yeah he does hate women is like the you know you know what i'm saying though it's like the movie doesn't portray him that way but that's obviously based on what he does (laughs) it's like that's uh but it makes sense his mother the what we learn eventually is that his mother was this domineering presence in his life and Mm. he seems to blame his mother for uh his position and his lot and his station in life. Uh, and so he's now taking that out on these women that he sees as passive, fragile birds. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he yeah. can't challenge his mother, so he challenges the the fragile birds that, that come my, into uh, his... My grandpa's a huge Hitch- Hitchcock guy. He's the first one to show me it in the womb, actually projected it into the womb, uh, some Hitchcock movies, uh-huh. and uh, right up the old... Whew, <laughs> and uh, he had this thing about my grandpa, such a huge uh, Hitchcock fan. He still refers to women as birds. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's always like, "Hey, look at this bird." Yeah, and it's always like, "Ah, grandpa, at it again uh, with the film, uh, film knowledge." <laughs> like I like that movie, The Birds. Uh, you know, there's uh, all those birds are in it, but yeah. that one bird, all yeah. those birds, she's a dame. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what if that's like how, like, how did, is that how that made it into this script? That, like, this was made in an era where men did refer to women as birds? I mean, they did. Yeah. They definitely did. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's not up to me to decide whether it's endearing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But a bird is a nice, although I think birds are a little bit gross. So, you know. But that's just me. Yeah, they just poop. All I love the time. that he taxidermies that owl in the most horrifying position you oh, could yeah. taxidermy an owl into. But he doesn't like to taxidermy beasts, right? Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, exactly. He literally turned that owl into the most beastly version of an owl it could be. What a like beautiful beasts. thing, though. Him sitting there, you know, you can see. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. we now know by the end that in even in regular conversations where before we know the answer he's we just think of him as kind of a weird guy with yeah. with you know odd social right, skills but, but then yeah. we find that at some points in these conversation yes his mom is speaking for mm-hmm. him you know mm-hmm. in the sense of that reality and so watching it knowing that you could actually see it in his performance oh now, yeah we were that talking about was, that yeah like there's moments where you can actually see where norman recedes and in his own dialogue that just seems a little stilted is actually him in in kind of an argument with himself. Yes. That's fantastic scripting and yeah. acting to be able to make it so explicit on you know a, on a, a repeat viewing. Yep. But on the first viewing, that's just what makes it kind of ambiguously ugh, uncomfortable. And they even he's subtly weaving that stuff in right away mm. when he is first showing uh, Janet Lee the the room number one that she's going to stay in. Uh, what does he say? Twelve cabins, twelve vacancies. Mm. Uh, when he's got her in cabin one, he's showing her the cabin. He and there's these things that he says that feel like the mother character. They don't really feel like mm. Norman. Really, take he, his shoes off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comments on like, and once you get those wet shoes off, you can come up to the yeah. house and. Uh, and I'll then be he, back with my big umbrella. Yeah, yeah. And he makes a comment about how he likes to keep his kitchen, which seems mm-hmm. like something that would come from his mother and not from him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting the way the moment we meet him. They're giving us these little clues and indications as to like what is going on with Norman, but there would be no way to like 
put pick up on that until you actually get to the ending mm-hmm. your first time through. You just think of it as weird. Yeah. It is kind of funny to think maybe it's just because they're like weirdly effeminate moments. Yeah. And that is just still kind of considered uncomfortable to see, you know, see a guy act that way. I thought about that. You know, actually. it's like, it's like, a little bit like maybe that's what's offsetting us. Yeah. And then we find out that's actually like literally he's, he's going into two personalities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, and I wonder too, because at the end they reveal that like at that point he's, you know he's sitting there uh locked up and he's just here he's hearing his mother's voice but it's not that he's hearing his mother's voice the voice in his head is his you know that's mm. his voice that's it's, his internal you know, yeah that's his internal monologue uh i wonder if at, it, during the movie that's happening to him as well and we're just not privy to it oh i think so you know what i mean i think so without a doubt yeah like that that his internal monologue when he's having that conversation with Janet Lee over sandwiches uh, is the mother voice, you know, coming through and maybe criticizing. I think he does sound like know? he's arguing with himself. He I does. Mean, there is that one moment where he gets dark. The You know, we all go a little mad sometimes yeah. because she makes a suggestion uh, that perhaps, you know, it was later that Loomis made the suggestion that maybe he wanted to get up out of there. No, actually, no, she did too. She does, Because yeah. I think they mirrored the conversations yep. where she begins saying like, hey, you know, why do you stay here if your yeah. mom is so so rough on you and all yeah. that? And then he kind of loses it. Yeah. And we read it as, at least as it's leading us on, of him just being like, no, I have a duty to my mother. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, you read it as, oh, that was mom just saying, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. This yep. is where I live. Yep. You know, this is this is my spot. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty wild. Also, in hindsight, I feel like we should have known because of the huge placards that are hanging up in beautiful calligraphy that say... Uh, Drop my glass of red wine and walk away slowly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh. And we have two choices for yeah. dinner. Eat, eat or don't. Yeah, like that. <laughs> and it's, it's cross-stitched yeah. on the wall. Yep, yeah. yep. Wine, chocolate, and a hot bath are my holy trinity. Yeah. <laughs> and we should have been like, oh, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. What about the one that says... Mom's kitchen. Everywhere else is shit. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> or don't Stay like out. my cooking. Each dial one eight hundred. Each shit. <laughs> Isn't that one of them? Damn, <laughs> these are the most aggressive signs. Yeah. What are the signs your mom had in your house? I mean, they when, all said eat shit on them. When I think of moms, I think of pure unbridled yeah. aggression. That's yeah, what I oh, get wow. from. Uh, Honestly, <laughs> if you opened a fucking Etsy store that was just like oh, hand stitched, yeah. like mom kitchen signs, but yeah. were like super aggressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that what, shit would sell. Jim Graman's fake t shirts that he's been oh, making. Yeah. Have you been following? Those yeah, fucking kill me. I yeah, want those in, each made into the cross stitches. Yeah. The quotes that are on there. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> have you seen those shirts? I have. They're really on? funny. They're killer. Yeah. They're just absolutely killer. It's like. It's like the easiest shit. Yeah. It's so good. Though. I like the context he does it in where sometimes <laughs> instead of just putting up the design of a shirt, he'll like put up a picture where he's photoshopped a shirt design onto a person already <laughs> yeah. wearing a shirt and say something like, oh, I'm glad to see my shirts are selling. <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway, find Jim Grammond on... Uh... On Facebook, you can see these shirts too. Baby. You can find Jim oh, yeah. Grammond Grammond over on the Gram. Oh yeah, yeah. Instagramond. That's right. If he's if, if Jim Grammond, who I know is listening right yeah. now, yeah, yeah. If um if you don't have Instagram, I think you need to make one just so you can like clamp down on the Instagramond tag. Yeah, you got it. So that you know no one else gets it. Yeah. Before like I don't know, John Grammond 
decides to take it and he just puts up pictures of his trip to Fiji. Yeah. The fuck out of here. It's John Hammond's uh, evil yeah. twin. Spared no expense. Made yeah. it to Fiji. <laughs> That's right. Ugh. Wait, no. John Hammond is the evil twin. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. like, oh, dinosaurs for kids. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm a hundred. John Grammond is the, the good twin that is yeah. like the, should be the hero of the story. Which, why would they even have different last names? That's not how twins <laughs> work. They have the f- twins have to rhyme. New rule. Twins yeah, yeah. just have to rhyme. <laughs> But um, yeah, so Psycho. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, there was something um, else that I wanted to bring up, but yeah. I can't think of it because I'm just thinking of Jim Graham and shirts. Yeah, we should probably wrap it up. We're anyway. about there anyway. We're about there yeah. anyway. So well, I oh, fucking a, yeah, go. Uh, Psycho two. Now I know you've probably seen it, Pete. Sure. Um, so no spoilers because we haven't all seen right, it. Well, yeah. So right. don't react well, too hard. You yeah. can nod or let's uh, just say. Uh, Predictions for Psycho Two. Big role in this one. Okay. I don't know how you guys like your potatoes, but uh, after this movie, you're gonna like them uh, not at all. (laughs) Oh, I like them au gratin. Mm -hmm. Well, so did somebody. (laughs) Oh, oh, right on. Mm -hmm. Predictions for Psycho Two. I I really don't know what they do after this because if you, I think we follow Psycho. I think he gets out of the asylum, not by escape. He's right. quote unquote rehabilitated. Okay. But uh it's really just like mom is in hiding. Yep. You know, and then he goes back to run the hotel and has to fight the temptations of letting her back in. Yeah. So I, because if, if I were writing it, yeah, I would think this guy's obviously charming. He's the only thing that we can really connect yeah. to the first movie with any sort of yeah, this is what we care about. Yeah, everyone comes back for Jason. People only yeah. came back for not Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle's Halloween. Oh, uh, you're thinking Billy of, Blanks? Uh, no, he's Tybo. Oh, um, why can't I think of his name? The kid that fucking Feldman plays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of? but yeah. either way, yeah, nobody comes back for him, but for one movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think if we're gonna follow it through four movies, Tommy we gotta Jarvis. Follow him. Tommy Jarvis. Is that right? Tommy Jarvis. Yep, that's yeah. it. And uh, yeah. I, I just I would follow it that way. I think I kind of so that we because he's good at getting you to like him and to identify yeah. with him. So if they can sell me on him making an effort at mm-hmm. being better, I could watch eighty to ninety minutes of that. And I feel like that might be the only thing I know about the sequels is that they are uh, his are Norman Bates movies, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I, I do expect it to be him again, and that makes sense, I guess. If you were going to do it, it's got to be him getting out somehow, and I. I it would make the most sense to me to do it like rehabilitating him. But I don't know. Maybe they could do something. Maybe it will be a crazy sequel where he fucking busts out of prison at the beginning of the movie. It's just a crazy slasher. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm, bouncing titties and slashing people up. I'm curious if up. they go back to the Bates Motel or not, though. I bet they do. Yeah. I feel like they have to. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I've seen the VHS covers of all four of them, uh-huh. and the house is involved in every last Everyone, one. Everyone, yeah. So I feel true. like that's, got, must, that's just yeah. part of the iconography. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That makes sense. Like, if you're, if you're going to take Jason out of a summer camp, yeah, take him. You to better space. put him in space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in space. Yeah. You tried New York. You tried a boat. And it, it was you hey, tried I, hell. I do love it. Yeah, but there's something missing. Yeah, yeah. No spoilers, but uh, both of you boys are pretty off base. Oh shit! Yeah, Let's yeah. I say, couldn't figure out how to invoke yeah. the potatoes. Yeah, well, not enough. Uh, not enough leprechauns in those oh. theories. I'll I'll say so. Uh, I can see how that would be tied to potatoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say there's not a famine in this one. Uh-huh. That's amazing. <laughs> If it crosses over with Leprechaun, because Leprechaun's another one with weird continuity. I've never seen any Leprechaun movies. I've actually seen Leprechaun and Leprechaun in Space, uh-huh. and that's it. Uh-huh. But I know that it spun off because there was all there was Leprechaun there was one, two, hood. three, and four. Four was yeah. in space, 
is starring Debbie Dunning, yeah. aka the Tool Time Girl. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then the then there was Leprechaun in the Hood, and then Leprechaun in the Hood Part Two, uh-huh. like oh, the Leprechaun back to that hood. Oh okay, yeah, right, yeah. Oh no, that's my other favorite Tim Allen thing. <laughs> oh no, oh no. I remember one episode where it cut to a flash, and what's funny is like Tim Allen, like the growling things is supposed to be his like, ah, I'm a dumb man. Oh no. Ha, 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 ha. Feed me a raw steak ha, ha, ha. or boiled steak as they prefer in yes, Psycho. That's right. But uh, there's one where, as a little kid, they do a flashback and like he throws it's knocks something down the stairs. And as it's going down the stairs, the little kid's just like, "Oh no!" And let me tell you, killer. <laughs> but like that's before he became raw man. He's yeah. like eight, but yeah. man, that brought that brought my house down. <laughs> tell you what, I loved it. Dad loved it. Mom laughed from the kitchen. Uh-huh. Shannon loved it. That's my sister. It was crazy. <laughs> we were all like, that's why that's him. Uh-huh. I hear he's going to play a spaceman in a cartoon one. Uh, 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 Toy Story. Sure. Yeah. Is that the new Space Force uh, based uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Conservative-only Netflix uh, platform. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he would agree to do it, too. Yeah, 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 yeah he yeah. would. Yeah. Absolutely. He's a, <laughs> It's just him and Scott Instead Adams of, from Dilbert yeah, fame. Yeah. Uh, Instead <laughs> of Houston, we have a problem. He's just like, Houston? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they have the, to say what you will about conservatives, but they got the talent on their side. I mean, uh-huh. if they want to make a Space Force cartoon, you got Scott Adams illustrating it. You Jeff got Tim Allen doing probably about 99% of the voices. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you got... Uh, Shit. <laughs> I'm in such Alex a bubble, Jones. I can't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, James Woods does the other 1% oh, voices. James Woods. Yeah. James there Woods. we go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My God, James Woods. Yeah. It sucks because he's like, he's one of my all-time he's favorite great. actors. Yeah. And I follow him on Twitter just because it's like fucking crazy. It's crazy. Like it's, yeah. re- it's like it's, real it's vitriolic, terrible shit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 He's an insane person. Like, I don't mind if you disagree with me. Yeah. But like, yeah. he's like really a fucking penis, man. He's, yeah. like, he's <laughs> crazy. real... Yeah. He's like real. He's bad. He's real bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's re- and what's crazy is he was like he was the best part of Family Guy, <laughs> a show that I'm sure the people who make that like right. probably fucking hate him. And like yeah. he clearly gets the joke yeah. and is so endearing on the show. But it's like he's fucking. Yeah, but that's the key. Sometimes yeah. your your crazy manifests itself as Tom Cruise. Yeah. Sometimes right. it's it's James Woods. Yeah. yeah. It's, Sometimes you yeah you don't know how to only portray it on screen. Yeah, he's just <laughs> but like they're just so crazy in real life that they're that that's why they're good. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're real good at pretend because they're just they have camera. no reality. Yeah, 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 that's true too. It, like that's the that's yeah. it. Uh, what did Spielberg say? He never auditioned kids to see who was the best actor. He auditioned kids to see who had the best imagination. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is oh, the yeah. best way to audition kids. Yeah. And yeah. it's clear that James Woods is a child. <laughs> <laughs> We I'm all... sorry, James. But I want oh, to apologize yeah. to James Woods yeah, for some never reason. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Video trip <laughs> rules. And you are like a fucking Islamophobe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need to be apologized to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that he, the, the weirdest thing I know about James Woods is that one week before 9 11 happened, he was on a plane mm-hmm. and he reported a guy oh. for being suspicious. Yeah. And. Now knowing James Woods, it was probably because he was like, that guy's a little too brown. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. But the guy he reported was one of the guys who did 9-11 who was uh, doing a dry run. That's crazy. Whoa. 
And I feel like that's probably what pushed James Woods into just like, yeah, yeah man, I know everything. Yeah. Ah, yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. See, I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. True story. Oh, my huh. God. That's wild. Uh, and on that note, I love Psycho. I think Psycho's great. Uh, yeah. I yes. actually fucking love this movie. <laughs> speaking like, of James it. Woods, yeah, Psycho. Speaking of crazy people, <laughs> Psycho. Uh, yeah, this is fucking one of the best. It's good. I, I was even a little bit dreading watching it tonight yeah. because I remember seeing it as a kid and because I didn't really have much context as to film and horror to me at that point was like poltergeist is yeah, what I'd yeah. seen. But even that is is bigger and more yeah. bombastic. And I remember liking it and respecting it, but just not thinking of it as, as like a good movie. But it's a really good movie. It's really good. It's really good. It yeah. was very enjoyable to watch. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was making old movie concessions oh, no. so much yeah. as I was marveling at like so many things that I've seen used now and refined to a point of almost being bland. You know, yeah. like that's to see it still pop. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. And it, you know, it changed uh, uh, kind of like storytelling in movies with the way it pulls the rug out from under you about halfway through the movie. It's, it, it, it is. One of the, cla- I mean, it's the classic slasher movie. It's one of the classic horror movies for like good goddamn reason, and it oh, continues yeah. to like fifty years later be so good. One of my favorite things in the world is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Now, this is not an unreliable narrator. There really isn't a narrator since we change right. point of view three and a half times yep. throughout the movie, um, and maybe four if you want to just count when it goes straight into psychologist mode. Where yeah, he's yeah. Like, this is my movie for the next ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I lost my train of thought. You know where I'm, where I'm going. Yeah. We're all good. Uh, so uh, one thing we want to... Oh, I mean, it, it, the movie itself is the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It gives us so many, you know, the two voices. So we go, oh, no, they can't be the same person. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, they explain it when they sort of half show him using the voice. Yeah. Um, you know, they just... Every little thing ends up being explained. So it's... It's lie through omission. Yeah. The movie is constantly omitting information, but still giving you enough information. Yep. In that sense, the movies your unreliable narrator. That's scary shit. I it love is, it. That's uh, how you. That's how you scare people. I love the idea yeah. that like when you get towards the like the third act of the movie, you know everything they're saying is like wrong. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you can't go talk to the old woman because the old the old woman is dead. Like, th- there's like so much you know at that point mm-hmm. that it gets like the, a lot of the tension is in like I get why these characters think what they're doing is safe and smart. I know it's fucking not. Oh, yeah. You know? It's Even dramatic though, irony that doesn't let us completely in exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah. We still don't know yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I fucking, yeah. It's That's great. masterful. Yeah. The best movies are the ones that give you only the amount of information, like need to know. Yep. Um, or if you know a little bit more to serve dramatic irony. Yeah. And this like has its cake and eats it too in that way where yeah. we are one step ahead. I mean, we're always going to be one step ahead because we know it's called Psycho. Uh-huh. We know shit's got to go down. Um, I think that's across all horror. We We know... That tonight the living dead will return. You know, yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. we know mm-hmm. right off the bat. But yeah, this this really walks that line in a way that just oh, it just yeah. you're just following a trail of breadcrumbs to it. It's so good. Yeah. Yep. Here's my wrap up of the movie. Please. A little bit ago, Dan, you had said that you weren't making any uh, old movie concessions for this film, and I got to tell you, I was making some old movie concessions leading up to this one. It's a little bit of the po- buttered popcorn. Oh, <laughs> that's the best like, concession of all. That's one of my favorite concessions, and I was thinking I'm going to need some popcorn for this film because this is one classic film. One of your favorites. Mm-hmm. How many times did you say you've seen Psycho? I'm going to say roughly. Uh, what's a Google? What is a Google again? Isn't that it's one uh, with one hundred zeros after it? Is a Googleplex? Double it, baby! Whoa, Ooh, that's a lot. That? 
I just have it on. Con- I have a monitor devoted to it. Nice. <laughs> and you're also 400 years old. I'm also <laughs> on Google. <laughs> well, right on. I'm glad that you could take yeah. some time out of your busy, busy life yeah. as an immortal I've being. Watch- I've actually psycho. been watching it on my phone this whole time during, <laughs> during the movie. <laughs> Uh, right now, I'm at one of those classic scenes where the bird flies high. Uh, yep, above mm-hmm. Norman Bates's head, yeah. suggesting would, that yep. he is a bird of prey. Indeed. Exactly right. That's the one. That's right. The, I believe fans of, of uh, hardcore fans of Psycho, the same way that, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I can't think of one of those, but the fandoms, what they're called. But these, I believe they're called Cybros. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. a fan? Yeah. I think we're a bunch of cybros here. Uh-huh. Cybros and cybros. Uh, so, <laughs> P, one thing we wanted to do before yeah. we wrap this up is talk mm-hmm. about some other game-changing horror movies. Absolutely. So, uh, with your infinite knowledge of uh, great mm-hmm. game change, uh, just movies in general, yes, uh, you could probably join us in yeah. uh, recommending some of these. So, Absolutely. Uh, this is another week where I fucking forgot to make a list, but I've got a couple jangling around in my head. But if you want to kind of run through some of yours, Dan, we'll yeah. toss over to Pete, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. throw a couple of mine out as we go. All right. Well, um, the two, there's... Most of these are two because it's yeah. horror movies doing the same thing. Yes, um, Werewolf, American Werewolf in London. Yes, and The Howling both came out the same year. Yep, but uh, Werewolf, um, Werewolf of London. I just want to call it the Warren Zevon <laughs> song. Um, both of them, what they both brought in was you cannot do a transformation of a werewolf without like really doing it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yes, in the Wolfman they showed him kind of, but like that was pushing the form forward at yeah. the time. Uh, they really raised the bar in the Howling and American Werewolf in London, that so much so that I think it actually like hurt future werewolf movies. Yeah, because they changed the game. Like you have to do it at least as good as that. Yeah, and it, I don't think it has happened since. No, I know. Like the transformation, I, I've not seen the Howling, but the one in American Werewolf in London is like well, a, the Howling's amazing. Joe Dante. So you yeah. can imagine that you yeah. know he's playing with. But where American Werewolf in London. That was kind of the first modern horror movie to really bring in comedy. Yeah. And that's a John Landis movie. Yeah, yep. And it's very, very funny. And it it meets at that spot that I'm talking about where, you know, horror and comedy go hand in hand because they're trying to evoke a physical response from you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, laughter is the release of tension. So they mm-hmm. they're it's perfect. Yeah. And that was kind of the first one that really set off this modern idea of like even before they become meta. You can still be very funny with horror. Yeah, you, you can like trace Shaun of the Dead right back to that movie. Yes, exactly, one hundred percent. I yeah. mean, that is, I, I would say, more so than any of the explicit references that Shaun of the Dead is making. It is invoking American Werewolf in London. Totally, because mm-hmm. it's like taking itself seriously as like the genre movie it is, mm-hmm. while allowing it to be funny. The end of Shaun of the Dead is the middle of American Werewolf yes. in London, where one character is now sort of. A, I mean, he's a. He's not a zombie so much as a vision, but right. where the one buddy is back, he's yeah. still the buddy, but yeah. he's a monster now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do so you toss anything in? Yeah, I well, I mean, the big one I thought of was Scream. Okay, yeah, Th- that, I figured that would come up, so I, I yeah. didn't say it. Yeah, that that was the big one I, I I thought of because that I mean uh, I have not seen New Nightmare yet, and I understand mm. that that kind of gets at the meta idea a, a little bit before Scream does. But the way that Scream is both a meta commentary on slasher movies, which sort of like 
kind of like upends slasher movies at that point in like the grand scheme of things. Every movie became Scream after right. that. Right, yeah. Yeah, it like upends the whole thing, but also dissects it in a way that like I had never, in in the sense that it's game changing, like a ton of movies started to do after it, you know? Mm. Um, but it also, the whodunit of it, I think is very interesting too. And as far as I know, kind of original to Scream. That's, I mean, that goes back to, like, Terror Train does it. Oh, okay. A lot of slashers did that back in the day, but that was the return to it. Yeah. Because Scream came at the end of the Freddy. Yep. At the end of Jason's, yep. you know, reign at that point. It was a shift back into that. Because um, the, the thing that I think is so interesting about the whodunit in it I mean, is, the original uh, the original Friday the 13th is a little bit of a whodunit. Kind of. Yeah, I could see that. It's less of a, it's one of our cast of characters yeah. and more of just a, we want to know who it is. But yeah. It, like, Terror Train definitely, you know, does that. But yeah. Scream leans into it much harder and actually plays up the mystery in a classic, like, Agatha Christie sense yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. Yeah. And, the, and the big important part of that is that, and I think the thing that is... Um, at least within its era, game-changing about it, is it is on the heels of Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, which are all pretty explicitly supernatural. Mm. And that's how those movies explain that the killer is in two places at once or moves oh, faster yeah, than yeah. you think. By being a whodunit... Like, the thing that Scream does is takes all of the supernatural out of it. And I think it like that's part of how it upends the slasher at the time. I think making it two killers... That blew my mind yeah. more than the reveal of who it was. Right, totally. And that's how, you know, the two two places in one time. But, yep. like, that, I can't think of... I, it probably was done. Right. I can't think of a horror movie that's done that and off the top of my head. And by doing it, it, like... It Besides t- Scream 2. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by doing it, 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 it sort of uh, um, sucks the, you know... Uh, it actually becomes scarier than mm-hmm. the things that it's referencing, right? Like, the, the three main slashers it's referencing, it's... Uh, to me, it's actually, at least in its time, scarier than those because it's, it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. It's it is not a super. It's explicitly not a supernatural thing. It's killers. You mm. know, uh, I, I love that. I think that's cool. Uh, Scream so, yeah, is it's, awesome. I, I think that that I think you could argue that that's a game changer. Oh, I think it's absolutely. A yeah. game. I don't think there's an argument there at all. Absolutely yeah. a game changer. Yeah. And it's different from uh, uh, New Nightmare because New Nightmare goes meta in terms of. Now the Freddy movies are movies within canon. Right. And it is expanded beyond that. But it's not really commenting on anything but, you know, sort of just the business of making a movie and the business of storytelling. Whereas Scream is like a complete commentary on, you know, the form of of a slasher as well as the culture of consuming these kinds of things. And that's that's super cool. That is cool. Because it it is... That and Cabin of the Woods compare because they are... They're parodies of without being indictments of, yeah, and they're love letters too, as yep. well. You know, both of them sort of. And I used to not say this, I used to say that Scream was sort of mocking the form, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I feel even more like you can't make that movie without love for it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. they celebrate why we love horror totally. Yeah, that's like, yeah, you're thinking mm. of Scary Movie, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, scary yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the original title for Scream, actually. Over here, yeah, 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 that is true. Yep. And it was originally <laughs> gonna star Marlon Wayans, <laughs> 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 that part's not true, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pete, do you have any of your yeah. expertise you want to throw this so way? One of, uh, so one of the game changes I think that's pretty clear to everyone is probably Cider House Rules. Because <laughs> that was the first one. If you, if you, It's in very small font. In the first uh, few seconds of that movie, it says, hey, mute this and play it. Play the Beatles' Helter Skelter. 
at two octaves lower while you watch this movie. And so if you actually catch that message and you do that, you have the software to do it, uh, it becomes one of the biggest, most influential horror movies probably of the past 100 years, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the first and only movie to ever ask you to do that. Nice. That's a game changer. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is a game changer. A lot of people have tried to repeat it. Mm-hmm. A lot of imitators, no duplicators. Yeah. Absolutely. Except for that movie, The Duplicators. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Terrifying. All right, so here's... Uh, I'll, this one's very, very quick because it doesn't mean anything, but I think that uh, Return of the Living Dead kind of introduced mm-hmm. this to me and 28 Days that. Later brought it back. Fast Zombies. Fast Zombies. Mm-hmm. Fast Zombies and Fast Zombies work. Mm-hmm. And both of them have good scientific reasons for the Fast Zombies to work. And it's because Romero Zombies, the rules as I understand them were... They first started, everything that's dead rose out of the ground. Yeah. And if you die, you will come back. Yeah. Nothing stays dead. That's the rules. Yeah. Um, but where Return of the Living Dead and 28 Days Later change it is Return of the Living Dead says, oh, no, it's an infection that yeah. makes you a monster. And it kills you, but then you come back as a zombie. If a zombie kills you but doesn't bite you, you're just dead. It's going to, you know. Yeah. And then 28 Days Later steps it up where it's, oh, no, these aren't zombies. It's just a crazy rage virus. Yeah. So it's they, they were both... And each one of those escalations kind of fueled the next few years of that type of movie. But that was, you know, it's a throwaway one. Yeah. They're just fast zombies, outbreak. Mm-hmm. Another one I thought of that is also a throwaway kind of is Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, which I saw I've a couple it. years ago. Um, it's from like 1923 or something. Uh, it's like considered the first horror. It's like one of the first yeah, yeah. horror movies. So it's a game changer in the sense that it kind of creates that genre within film. I don't nice. know. That's why it's a throwaway. It's, you know. mm-hmm. I'll throw this out there because I know you can speak on it. Yeah. Um, it's two movies that did the same twist a different way. Um, the first one's Blair Witch. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Not Blair Witch Project. Yep. Blair Witch because it was The Woods. Yep. And we got it revealed to us via Comic-Con news where yes. it was, oh, shit, this is actually Blair Witch 3. Yep. Um, but the people at the, uh, at the Comic-Con sat down to see The Woods. Yep. It was presented as The Woods. And then as Blair Witch imagery started showing up, realized we've been had. This is actually Blair Witch 3. That's a super cool That's reveal, awesome. a surprise sequel, which is also recently done by Split. Yeah. And I will never, ever forget the end of Split in the theater. That's one of the top 10 theater-going moments of yeah. all time because that threw me for a goddamn loop. <laughs> and it was a game-changer. I think it will prove to be a game yeah. changer in the same way that The Sixth Sense led to a million different movies where we were dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that we will get a handful of surprise sequels yeah. of mixed quality that, you know, just surprise us. That's, I'm, yeah, I will not be surprised if there's like a, a like an even later triple X sequel mm. where we don't realize we're watching but a triple X movie until Vin Diesel horror. shows up at the end. How yeah, good that's true. would that be? Yeah, that would be I mean, even. Yeah, even so, triple yeah. X four should be a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Actually, that would work great for a horror movie. I mean, that would be the way to get it's a new Friday the Thirteenth uh, series out uh, out of the gate. You I mean, know? I guess in that sense, you could even because one of my other li- things on here that I'll just li- you know loop into this was Jason X and Freddy versus. Jason, uh, oh, sorry, not yeah. J- sorry. Jason goes to hell in Freddy versus Jason, which is just at the the very last moment of Jason goes to hell is oh shit, this is in the Freddy universe. Yeah, so they sort of pulled that there. Yep, and then it led. I think it took a decade to get to that yes. crossover. So you know, but I I think that that all that's, that's true. You know, I did, yeah, I forgot horror about that. lends itself to that because. Yeah. 
it's almost as if nothing's precious because of the way it is. It, uh, it's, it seems weird. No, I don't mean to be reductive. You know no. of my love for horror, but because of the way that that it's really niche in terms of there are people who love horror yeah. and the people who would react mm-hmm. to a sudden crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in that community. I'm in. I also mm-hmm. think like the horror community is used to horror not being precious to like the people that have made it right Mm. so the people that have made it have gone wild with continuities and all kinds of stuff so now part of being a horror fan is not being knowing that no one else is precious about it so you can't be either you know you almost get into the idea that you can't like Mm -hmm. i love the friday the 13th series because it's so fucking all over the place it's It's like one of my favorite things the chucky series is absolutely insane yeah don mancini's been at the heart of writing every he wrote every last one of them yeah and even directed a few. So, like, they're all fucking canon. But yeah. that shit is wild. Yeah, yeah. Shit is wild. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, kind of part of it. It's, like, not being it's precious fun. about it. Yeah. Because we always talk about them being movie movies. Yeah. You can really do anything in a horror. Yes. The whole idea is that they can be as crazy bad as they want. Because you can hide behind, them, like, well, whatever. It's horror. It's just mm-hmm. not to your taste. Mm-hmm. Which is a valid thing. I, I say hide behind, but that's valid. Yep. But you can really experiment with that a little bit. And, yeah. You know. Uh, the fucking Saw movies, they're so fucking stupid. Yeah. And I love them because they refuse to play by the rules. The surprise is always something that you read, like, you could retcon, but they're spreading the retcons yeah. so thin that they work, but it's almost to the point that, like, quite literally the last 10 years before Jigsaw's death, he was just fucking building traps. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, they never play by the rules. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing about them is that it. I know that I'll never get the information to solve it. Yeah. And then when they do, ah. That's a, uh, like it or not, so it would be another good game changer for the list. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if, you know, it, I, I'm not the biggest fan of torture porn, but it is definitely the movie that made that a thing mm-hmm. and established it as like essentially a decade long running obsession with that in horror. It's, that went for a long time. Yeah. It it was good and bad. There yeah, was some yeah. good and bad. And I, I like Saw itself. I think oh, yeah. Saw is really good. Well, Saw, I remember that was like when I first started getting into like online, you know, movie talking yeah, stuff. Yeah. And everyone was talking about it like this two guys wake up yeah. chained to a bathtub and there's a saw there. They gotta get out. And that's yeah. it. And like much like all of the great classic horror, one good idea that never intended a sequel yep. is just just ringed out. It's great. <laughs> Give me every last drop. <laughs> Uh, one of my uh, one of the biggest game changers, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in the game is probably gonna I'm gonna go with Footloose uh, <laughs> because it's right there in the title. What, uh, the main character's foot is loose. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. If, you're, if you're really paying attention, because everybody and, cut it, everybody uh, cut. That right? could be another name for Saw, by the exactly. way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> foot to be loose, yeah. loosened. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you when you re if you if you didn't quite catch that in the title, like if you maybe you went in and you covered your face when the title card comes up and you don't know what the movie's called you don't realize that this main character's foot is actually loose and um, if you know that and then you watch how much this person dances you're like oh my god you know what <laughs> I mean? you're on the edge of the sheet the whole time because you're like this is crazy don't do that your foot's gonna fall off you know what <laughs> I mean and that's probably the Dance first that's probably the first movie to ever you know make you that concerned about the main character and specifically his foot possibly falling off if he dances too hard <laughs> valid yeah you don't get that from Greece nope Mm-mm. Those foot are, uh, those feet are tight on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is a little bit of tension in Greece because I'm like always worried they're going to slide on the grease that they're no, dancing that's on. That's true. That's you know? a good point. That but was it's the not first time they introduced grease. Yeah, but that's not the same kind of tension that mm-hmm. comes from that like loose foot. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing quite like it. Yeah. yeah. Foot loose. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody cut. Everybody, <laughs> Everybody cut. cut. And then there's that That's remake. How you can tell it's a horror movie. Everybody oh, cut. Oh yeah. Everybody yeah. cutting Footloose. Yeah. Uh, oh, Ephron was in the remake, right? Am I right? No. No, Ephron was not. But yo, the remake's good because the punch dancing scene is to a uh, White Stripe song. Oh, that's cool. And so I'm all in. Yeah, it's more of like a country western dance. I kind of like that movie. Yeah. It's Craig Brewer. Oh, okay. I believe that's his name. Yeah, he that did right. Hustle and Flow. Yeah, and uh, Black Snake Moan. Uh-huh. So it's like it's <laughs> the huh. remake. I like Footloose, but like I kind of really like the remake of Footloose, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. not you know what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this one I've actually not seen, but I looked it up because I've heard about this. And probably the biggest contribution to all horror ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the uh, the most used thing in horror still to this day. Began with Cat People. Oh, I yeah, I always hear about Cat People. Cat People has what is called the Luton Bus. Famed producer Val Luton produced that movie, and in it, there's a scene you can. And I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, and a woman is walking, and she hears voices behind her, and she keeps looking back. And she's crossing the street, and when she turns forward, a bus passes by real fast, and it is cinema's first jump scare. Oh, interesting. Uh, so the Luton yeah. bus is the first jump scare, and that is used sometimes with buses to this very day. I thought you were going to say that she just gets slammed oh, by no, the bus, no. and I was like, oh, yeah, that does happen in movies a bunch. That's a, that's a later development. Yeah. That was one of those things where... Um, we had slammed by the bus. Yeah. Then we had cut in half, doesn't realize it, and then falls to pieces. Uh-huh. And then we had driving and getting T-boned yep. from the side. That was a big one for a while. Yep. Then you had um, exploding sideways into a car. Exploding sideways into a car. Right yeah. now, we're in the center of a car flipping with people in it. Yes. And they're ricocheting off of the ceiling and stuff. Yeah. We, we figure out a new move like that, and mm-hmm. it becomes a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> car flipping. Car flipping with with the person in yeah. it and like yeah. Yeah. water. Comes Actually, in. it got upgraded to helicopters flipping this summer. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. was whew, whew. no idea how Tommy did that. What a I do. Yeah. So you or I would not survive because our yeah. bodies are too poisoned by thetans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so he has purged them all, which uh-huh. has allowed him to ascend to a higher plane. Uh-huh. And you know, you just to do that, you're going to need to pay a lot of money. Yeah. And and that's that's what you're gonna need to do. Uh-huh. You're gonna need to pay a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the whole thing. Yep. Uh, do you have any other game changers on your list? Um, I, I think I have exhausted my. Uh, you that's know, that's it. Really, I, yeah. I, I saw Texas Chainsaw floating around a lot mm. uh, on lists like this, which makes sense to me because I think there is like a claustrophobia to that movie that mm. I uh, I don't know. I, I I've definitely seen since, but I I can't think of seeing before mm. that movie's like. I don't know. It's it's like gross in a way that it's seems... a descent into hell movie. Yeah, like, they, there's not really a uh, there's not really any moments of reprieve or right. anything. It just it goes from normal to very bad, just on a downward slope. Yeah. until it's over. Yeah, yeah. Because even at the end when she's running out, like she's not okay. Oh this, no, yeah, things yeah. are not going to get better for it. This yeah. way. it's that's just one of those movies that I think it was probably an early user of that form of yeah. just, oh no, we're not here to tell you a story so much yeah. as we're here to just watch this fall apart. I know it's mm-hmm. weird to like try and over categorize it this way, but it's like that movie feels like the first terror movie to me. Where oh, like yeah. we upgrade from horror to terror. That makes know? sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause it's just, yeah, it unspools until it's just done. Yeah. 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 Ugh. 
I, uh, I have one more game changer. Hit us. And uh, I think you guys are very familiar with this one. It was probably the very first to use the uh, anthology format. Uh-huh. So that's very uh-huh. popular in horror these days. I'm talking, of course, about America's Funniest Home Videos, <laughs> uh, which just have multiple entries in that anthology. Because it yeah. was probably the first time when you're w- sitting down... And you're just like, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what I mean? And uh, so before that, you pretty much could have, uh, we were pretty on board with everything happening in horror. But then you sat down with America's Funniest Home Videos and you're like, what? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's What's no scarier way. than someone's pants falling down at a wedding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The fact that that could happen to anybody, you mm-hmm. know? Getting hit in the balls with a wiffle ball. Yeah, all the bodily harm in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's like all the stories from your friends last night you that could, they never could, told. Yeah. Definitely the first body horror. The first, yeah, torture mm-hmm. porn, yeah. maybe. Yeah, you could say, yeah. <laughs> a lot of firsts coming yeah. out of that one. Uh, the red, white, and blue. Oh, the funny things you do. <laughs> America. <laughs> America. We are you. This is you. This is you. <laughs> uh, so now that Stories we're... Stories from your friend next door. They never told <laughs> you could be a star tonight. So let that, that camera roll. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, Someone wrote that. that. Dude, I loved that show as a kid. I watched it a yeah. bunch. Yeah. I could buy would it's not have been YouTube able to pull now. that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah right. Just moved to fail mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. Now that we're coming to the close here, uh, I am... Uh, so you did see Psycho at some point, Pete? Yeah. Are you, uh, what are you trying to say? What are you, what are you... I just feel like over the course of this, I've yeah. maybe sniffed at, I mean, you were uh, like bizarrely approximating a bunch of details. Yeah. It was from... a little, the enthusiasm well, not so was much there, but it was a little it, vague. Just nailing, uh, nailing them with knowledge. Yeah. Probably you... trying to avoid spoilers. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's uh. probably a big part of it, I'd say. Yeah. Because uh... you've definitely seen it. Oh, and listen, the thing about this movie is, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been around for so long. I mean, how could someone not have seen it? That's that's what that's what I'd say. I, I actually kind of buy that. That was how I felt I about that this movie the question, before. I, but it's mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, it's. Uh, I think that answers your question. It's got okay. it's got all the information yeah. I was yeah. asking for mm-hmm. to to be fair. Yeah. yeah. So you've seen it then. You know the thing about this movie is uh, it's uh, it's it's out there. And uh, boy, oh boy, have I seen some things in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, there's this weird thing where I'm not actually asking you to explain to me that you've seen it again. I just keep affirming that, of course, you have seen it. And then you yeah. keep digging into a fresh explanation well, of how you've. Yeah, this movie is, uh, boy, I tell you what, it's one of those classics that uh, just about everybody got to see once in their life. Including you. And including me. And uh, I could, you know, check that one off if you've seen it. This is like that <laughs> moment when Norman can't say the word "the shower." When I he's feel like the, you were you were just straight up saying you you said you watched it right now. Oh. I'm calling shenanigans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, props to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that settles it for uh-huh. me. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm the biggest convinced. psycho. He's a cybro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm convinced. All uh, the little cybros and cyhos out there <laughs> in Psycholand, <laughs> down in the baits, the interbaits. Yeah. Uh, Motelernet, which is what we're going to be doing for the next like four uh, episodes. Mm. Uh, oh, yo, real fast. Yeah, that house is scary. Yo, it's so good. That's yeah, a good I, house. I love that house. Mm. It's so iconic and like in a way where I definitely knew that house before I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw this movie, I was like, "Yep, I get it. That's that's the house. Mm-hmm. So good." Uh, it's oh, and I got to say this just because we got to pay. I don't. Yeah. We forgot to talk about it when. Arborgrass gets stabbed down the steps. Oh, yeah. The way that shot is so cool. It's used a million different times in a million different other movies, including They Live. And as he falls down the steps and it goes into the soft focus, 
That is just it's so good. That is unnerving. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, we're gonna do. Psycho. But yes, we'll be doing Psycho Two next, which probably has a subtitle of some kind. I don't know. I know one of them is called The Beginning, oh. but that goes for every franchise that goes yeah. long enough. Yeah. There's a The Beginning. That's true. Yeah, and, and there might even be a The Final Chapter. Oh, uh, Perkins directs one of them. I think he directs so, one of them. Yeah. So there's there's interesting stuff to come here. I'm pretty excited to watch these. Yeah, these are gonna be do. cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and uh, Letterbox.com at uh, I like no, that's our show. You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Philadelphia with an F, uh, and you can find me on Citadelphia.com, Farsightedblog.com. We got a uh, Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival coming up, where I think uh, you'll be able to find a bunch of stuff from me and Dan uh, regarding that uh, on both Citadelphia and Farsighted Blog. Uh, that's the first weekend in September. Uh, so if you're in Philly, you're local, get some tickets, go to phillyandname.com and, and, uh, come join us there. You really want to come see it. Yeah. It's like, it's the, it's my favorite week of the year. It's, it's the best. so good. The lineup fucking owns this year. I'm like super excited. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be good. It's going to be great. Uh, and you can find, uh, the show on, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and all over at I like Two movie numeric two. Uh, Peter, would you like to uh, plug your? Would you like baby. to plug yourself? Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Plug it up. Uh, with the username Petey Steele, P E T E Y S T E E L E, Petey Steele. Also, now you can find me on Instagram with that <coughs> same username. And um, if you uh, hey, if you're in town, September 19th through the 22nd, as part of Fringe Fest, Darlings, the uh, sketch group I am a part of, uh, is gonna be doing a. A wacky ass show. Hell yeah, dude. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Check it out. That's fun. Awesome. Uh, Dan, why don't you toss your plugs off and we'll close it up? I am at Dan Scully on everything Twitter, Tumblr. I don't, I don't use the Tumblr. Don't worry about that one. Pinterest. <laughs> uh, not on Pinterest. But yeah, uh, Twitter, Dan Scully, Letterboxed, Dan Scully in life. That's my actual name, Dan yeah. Scully. There you go. And um, also check out Cinadelphia.com, Findy.com. And I believe that is it for now. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, let's close this thing up. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. Oh, shit, I'm yawning. My, <laughs> oh, my name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. Hey, my name is Pete Steele. I like to movie movie. <laughs> and we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to movie. movie. Dude, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> <It was> so <laughs>